Hello friends and welcome to the new episode of CVS Pachem. In today's episode we have a very interesting topic for you. We discuss how competition between great powers can foster science and technological development in the world. It's an interesting perspective because we usually tend to discuss security as something looming, threatening to the world. But if we flip-flop the issue, we can see a lot of actually benefits from great power competition. And furthermore, I guess it's proven by history that great power competition just brings progress to science and technology. We divided this episode into three sections. In the first section, we discuss space. In the second section, we discuss artificial intelligence. And in the third, we briefly touch upon quantum computers. So share our episodes and, as always, enjoy. Hello, hello, Baba. Hello. Today, today I'm really excited to discuss with you science and technology. Yep. And how those things relate to geopolitics uh, um, and, I guess, competition between powerful states. And something like this those are um, topics that we love yes and we discuss it a lot like in person and i guess uh, it's just nice to bring new perspective to our listeners because usually we discuss security and we discuss um, this power competition in a very negative way because definitely um, creates situations where security is not uh, guaranteed for everyone or i don't know war can happen or a conflict at least but if we look at like this bigger picture, there is like one thing that is one thing that can be beneficial uh, for humanity, and it's of course like science and technology. Um, in a sense that uh, usually this uh, um, competition between powerful states it really drives the science, it really drives technologies, and because people come up with different solutions, how to make things possible. Oh yes, definitely. And you know, the struggle is, is is helping progress, basically. Yes, and uh, I am just reading currently this book, Neil deGrasse Tyson book, Accessory to War, and basically the way he presents it that throughout history, technology, technology, science, and just war, and in terms of like competition between powerful states, um, kind of like drove the whole scientific progress towards some point. Oh yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's like simple examples we, we can all think of is, uh, of course, uh, a nuclear bomb. Definitely. Uh, but, but also space, you know, if, I mean, if we probably hadn't lived in the world, in the world of Cold War, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have like satellites now, we wouldn't have at least this developed system of satellites, GPS navigation. Yeah, people wouldn't have walked and... to the surface of the moon. Yeah, internet as well was a, a military endeavor, first of all. Exactly, and if you if you fly to a different city using a jet airplane, it's also warfare, World War II, my friends. Oh yeah, and lots of stuff uh, coming back to ancient times uh, and uh, to modern technologies. So I guess let's just like break down it maybe to three topics that uh, uh, I guess are most important for t today uh, science. Uh, it's definitely space, 
And yes, we agreed. See, which we do also like this topic, we kind of covered it already in our previous episodes, but let's, let's just think about in terms of what is possible in terms of science and technology in space and the future and how it's driven by this competition. Uh, then we can just touch upon like this notion of artificial intelligence because it's everywhere and it's such a hype topic, I guess. Uh-huh. And maybe let's just close with just discussing a little bit like quantum computers because it's definitely the future of science. And there's, there's like lots of there's like lots of like this idea of uh, quantum supremacy and who will get it first, like China or the US, basically. Yep. Yeah. So space. Um, uh, Space, I guess, right now is definitely hot topic. It's booming again. It's booming again. People are interested in space once again. It looks like uh, space is becoming way more important than it used to be, like even ten years ago. And it means basically that people like Elon Musk, but also other people, have this wonderful project and going to Mars, going to into the moon, have a like lunar base there. Um, yeah, so and so how do you how do you see all of this in terms of competition? Uh, I just probably like first question. Well, the nature of the competition that we see uh, today is a bit mm-hmm. different because we have private actors involved. Uh, mm-hmm. So we don't only have a competition between great powers, but also between private enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of you know state competition, this is exactly still the same thing that um that we had during the Cold War. It's about the image mm-hmm. and the prestige of the nation. So you see, um, uh, right after uh, Russia was um, mm-hmm. let's say dethroned as the only uh, country that's able to fly to the ISS, ju- just uh, mm-hmm. you know minutes later, the Russian Roscosmos announces that they will be going to the moon. You know. Yeah. Uh, whether that will happen or not is uh, debatable, but they definitely announced that they will. So it's all about the image mm-hmm. uh, still and prestige. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, and it's also important. But at the same time, when when I when I think about this uh, private companies, uh, it's more it's more about how to how to how to get things done in American sense, uh, because of course, like SpaceX, it cannot exist without subsidies, it cannot definitely. exist without uh, big uh, government contracts. So it's not. It doesn't really make big difference in terms of. It just, I guess, uh, reflects uh, the culture, reflects society. Because in China and Russia, of course, it's like very different approach to doing things, more like state-centric enterprise. And in America, even for like a military domain, it's always about these big companies like Lockheed Martin and yep. who basically did some revolutionary things in science and technology. And it's the same, I guess, with Musk. And it's interesting, yes, uh, that he gets so many contracts right now. In terms of he recently, uh, he recently got this contract uh, to build um, and uh, to build early warning system, basically with his satellites. Yeah, uh, which is super interesting uh, in terms of how you know how he he really kind of becomes a little bit Iron Man in terms of he also builds <laughs> now weapons. He will build like ballistic missiles, for example, his company. And it's interesting because it started with like civil use and now it's more getting into this uh, military yeah. military company. 
Yeah, um, it's, a, I mean, it's, it's a fun it's... fact that you brought up Iron Man because he actually did yeah. a cameo in the movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. And also because Iron Man, of course, Iron Man, but uh, the big difference, Iron Man uh, produced uh, weapons. Yeah. Uh, and Musk will probably produce weapons in the future. Oh, like at yeah. least uh, missiles, which is, I mean, the same thing. Yeah, um, well, he definitely is a military contractor right now, so. Yes. Uh, and actually Blue Origin as well. But... Yeah, it's still interesting. And coming back to this competition between Russia, uh, like Russia and the US in space, it's it's interesting because uh, I mean, definitely it's not the priority right now for Russian government to invest a lot in space exploration. I I don't think they just believe in in this idea. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're doing other things in military terms. They're doing this uh, uh, top-notch new missiles that can, you know, uh, if you think about uh, from a scientific perspective that can some nuclear powered missiles can become the future of space exploration in terms of uh, you can basically have those kind of engines uh, yeah. that work on nuclear um, fusion or fission uh, and so on and so forth so it's they're also doing a lot in this di- in this direction but again because they have like a, an edge in this competition that, that Russia definitely has an edge in uh, constructing and developing missiles because uh, like the US kind of has stopped doing this for a while now yeah try try to do it again they kind of relocated some funds and uh, assignments to some military contractors to but build this you know the so, technology that they're using in their newest projects it's this technology from 30 years ago so you know yeah they aren't really making much progress in terms of the uh, I mean just NASA but I'm not I don't do not mean Elon Musk because he is definitely innovating mm-hmm. but when you look at the what, what NASA is building right now it uses engines from you know the space shuttle and almost the same fuel tanks so there's no innovation there it's just you know old technology reimagined yeah yeah exactly and even uh, uh, this big project uh, uh, SLS how it's called like this yeah. big rocket it's pretty it's basically very very old uh, it's about its old rocket. There's yep. nothing new about it. Nothing new about this, and that's why it's good to have Starship. And uh, it looks like there is a lot of progress with Starship. Uh, you know, SN8 model. They basically, it, it already looks like the thing that's gonna fly in the future. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's very very interesting. But also for me, it's it's what was more interesting. I guess is. Uh, not only this idea to explore Mars, but kind of this idea to explore other planets or other habitable zones, uh-huh. like just for scientific reasons, to send probes on to Europe and uh, um, to Europa. Yeah, to send yeah. the probe to Europa. And this is also will drive, I guess, you know, the science in terms of who gets it first, uh, because it's it's a big issue uh, in. It's a big issue in in terms of state competition. Yeah, and uh, you know, gets... right now they are trying to find life in our own solar system, right? So imagine that if your yeah. country was the one to prove that there is life in our solar system, imagine the prestige. Mm-hmm. Yes, the prestige is definitely there. Um, and yeah, and I guess China is becoming way more and more active in, uh, in space exploration. And they they're preparing right now. I guess they already kind of chose like uh, the first crew for to assemble their space station, mm-hmm. which is also 
I mean, it's just interesting in terms of China is not in the in this framework of space uh, um, space agreements. Yeah, and basically what they do, they kind of do it uh, like vis-a-vis -vis American counterparts or like whatever, and they're doing it. It's like not an, it's not a friendly way of uh, exploring space, so to speak. From their perspective, for, for no. them, it's definitely space exploration is competition. It's very belligerent, um, yeah. Yeah, and which is also brings like uh, brings uh, kind of like uh, I think a lot about this in terms of Russia can cooperate with China in the future, uh, which will be very beneficial for China, of course, in space exploration, and it can stop cooperation with because uh, uh, America with uh, any other Western powers. And because I guess uh, Roscosmos announced that they won't participate in the Artemis program because it's like very pro-American enterprise, officially. Yeah. But they they kind of they said, of course, we can agree to have some uh, docking stations that are compatible with the uh, Soyuz and with our uh, spacecrafts. Uh -huh. oh, so we can have some projects together, but we won't participate in this uh, because it's it's all uh, under American control and it's not truly international or in, in a truly international spirit. Yeah, it's actually interesting how the originally the Soyuz was designed to fly to the moon, right? But after mm -hmm. the Soviets had problems with their rockets, they decided to repurpose it to fly to space stations in low Earth orbit. So I guess it would yeah. be very poetic and, you know, to see uh, Soyuz-type spacecraft reaching actually the orbit of the moon in some near I future. Think... Yeah, but I guess it's just, uh, it's mainly the question of prestige and they just don't want to uh, pour so much money into this, just like to have this footage. And it won't be, you know, it won't be something that uh, completely re like revolutionary in terms of Americans did it first. So yeah, kind of, it's not, uh, I mean, to build a base there, that's a challenge. I mean, that's a huge challenge, I guess, for engineers, for just people who are going to do this. Um, or just robots, I guess, I don't know. Um, but this is definitely a big challenge. And it's also kind of drives this science and technology because you definitely need to understand how to live outside of our planet. Um, yep. I guess we know how to live on the spacecraft, flying, uh, orbiting uh, orbiting Earth, but how to how to live on the surface, you know, of other planet, of, of the moon. It's another thing, I guess, it's a bigger type of a challenge. Yeah, but you know, Moon is still in the Earth's magnetosphere protecting it from solar radiation. Yeah. Uh, it's still a, it will be a training ground for Mars, definitely, mm -hmm. but there are still many challenges that Mars has that you will not find on the Moon. Yes, yes. I mean, for me, for Mars, I guess it's, it's way, way uh, beyond horizon, so to speak, uh, because I don't know whether... I mean, there is like a challenge, big challenge just to get there. There's, there's even more challenges to get people out of uh, Mars. Um, and just, I don't know how, how, like, and it's not really in terms of, you don't see, like, you, you see the moon as something the way they will collect helium-3, which is basically yeah. the future of energy here on Earth. So they definitely need this uh, isotope. And they will collect it and it's also like a big challenge you know how to collect it how to like transfer it to earth it will require like enormous uh thinking you know it's kind of ingenuity from people um and it's interesting in terms of the way they're going to collect it and they're going to be some probably disputes as they show exactly as they showed in this netflix like a space uh, space command the space space force uh series you know it's it's basically how it's going to look like in terms of if china 
once sign, uh, China is not a part of any kind of agreement with the US, they will have this basically uh, uh, scientific stations, but those scientific stations will be used primarily to uh, collect helium-3. Yeah, the, the only uh, treaty that about space that China is a member of is the UN, Outer Space Treaty. It's like from the yeah. uh, 67, I believe. But um, it's a very old treaty and it doesn't address the issues about space exploration and, uh, you know, mining, etc. that we have today. So I really yeah. think that there needs to be some legal framework. I guess the UN mm -hmm. is a good place to, to get it uh, about, you know, just colonizing mm -hmm. the space because how do you divide the deposits of helium-3 that are on the moon like who gets their first mm -hmm. guess it i don't i don't think that everyone will be happy with this arrangement i guess there needs to be some international uh, oversight yeah. and i mean helium-3 is just enormous boost to economy to energy resources of the of the country that gets it first um just enormous in terms of uh, you could basically uh, guarantee the future of humanity for like centuries, um, even even more. Uh, it's, it's definitely the future of uh, energy here. Uh, so it's it's really interesting how the thing gonna evolve. Yeah, I guess we're just like in the first stage of this in the beginning, but with of course with every year with this like what masks uh, mask Elon Musk does, it's it gets way more interesting just to observe it just to monitor situation and it's, de it's definitely uh, the age of like, space exploration is coming the new kind of chapter yeah i'm sure so it will develop very fast i guess we need to remember that uh the time between the first airplane flight on earth and landing on the moon is just about mm -hmm. 60 years that's yeah, nothing so that's i think that nothing. our technology will develop super fast right now and i think we might see some you know Pretty uh, amazing developments and groundbreaking things very soon. Yeah, yes, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I'm still like, skeptical just because of Mars, because I don't know whether it's like really, whether like, people really need this. Uh, yeah, I agree. Right I mean, I honestly feel like we have the technology to do it, but it probably would be super costly, and the benefits of it wouldn't yeah. be, uh, wouldn't incentivize anyone to actually fund this. So. Yes, but. Of course, uh, base on the moon is definitely, it will be just there. Uh, it in, will be there, I'm sure. In a couple of decades. And it's, it's, it is, of course, like a big challenge. And what this what things, you know, those things, those projects that actually drive science and that drive um, technology. So, yeah. yeah, I guess let's warp up like our section about space. Uh, yes, sir. About, a little bit about artificial intelligence because it has... Uh, very close connection to military Definitely. and of course autonomous autonomous weapon systems which are basically already things that kind of decide on their own what to do so they are kind of intelligent I mean it, you, it depends on your definition of intelligence but they definitely decide what to do on their own and they also incorporate like neural networks right now in the drones uh, so they basically adapt to new situations and they're becoming more and more intelligent uh, every year. Um, and it's interesting just to see, and of course here we're talking about like China, the US, Russia, they all have uh, some successful projects in yep. this domain. And it's just interesting whether those, like whether like, you know, artificial intelligence will emerge 
basically from this uh, military application, from this military, um, mil yeah, military equipment. Yeah, I'm sure if uh, a real artificial intelligence is invented, it will be uh, in the military. Yeah. Uh, because this is the branch that has the most resources and the most incentives mm -hmm. to actually conduct works on artificial intelligence. Because, uh, you know, mm -hmm. AI uh, can be employed not just in autonomous weapon systems, but for example in analytics. Like, if you want to mm -hmm. analyze how your enemy will move their troops, you know, computers are way uh, are way better at computing and, than us humans, and they can predict so many scenarios. Mm -hmm. So, such an AI might be invaluable in just strategic planning, not just, you know, in tactical usage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, and I guess like one of the biggest projects in America is like Project Maven. Uh, uh, also, it's, it's it's done I guess by uh, some private private tech company, but it's basically military artificial intelligence project where they teach neural networks how to recognize patterns, how to adapt to different situations. One one of the most groundbreaking kind of groundbreaking achievements in in AI. Uh, yeah, and it's just interesting also for me. Just to see like new wars, uh, the way they happen, you know, in Nagorno-Karabakh, in Syria, it's it's getting more and more about your technology, more and more about AI, more and more about your drones, and about like military equipment. So what you really want to do, you want to create very good. Um, just just want to have the swarms of these drones that can uh -huh. work together, and adapt to different situations and this was the trick they train like a lot of like the swarms of drones in china in the us um but also just just groundbreaking you know you see think about the a bunch of uh, drones they fly on their own without like operators and they just basically act on their own uh, intertwined into this network uh, and deciding uh, kind of relocating you know agency inside this uh, system and yeah. this is for me it's like yeah it's, it sounds like a little bit like artificial intelligence in terms of you know a lot of things coming together to just perfectly do their job um, and of course this job is like to search and destroy so to speak um, and yeah it's just it's a very interesting time i guess to, to leave <laughs> just to, to admire this but do you think that we will see in the near future like complete elimination of the human factor in warfare that, you know, the only people engaged will be, you know, just sitting in front of computer screens and taking control yeah, of uh, autonomous soldiers and drones overseas or yeah. whatever. I think it's actually possibility is already there, because if you think about any type of war scenarios right now, it all includes mainly um, uh, artificial intelligence already. So it includes uh, drones, it includes uh, air defense systems, which is also basically artificial intelligence. Because they act on their own, there's only like a operator who just like gives a, uh, just like pushes the button and says, yeah, you go. Yeah. But I mean, they, they detect and they destroy on their own. Um, they don't need like actual human operators. You can put, put them in automatic mode. Um, yeah, and I guess it's already, it's already kind of there because we just see even in this lo local conflicts, it's all about uh, artificial intelligence already. And it's, it will get even more about this in the future. Uh, and what is interesting, I guess, is like very small countries can be very successful uh, in war, in mm -hmm. wars, because they can just uh, acquire a lot of drones. Uh, and there is like no, there is a lot of suppliers. It's not like only Russia or like the US can supply drones. You know, even Turkey produces uh, high quality drones, actually. 
Yeah, um, so this will like change uh, how warfare is conducted. You know, it won't be yeah. uh, it won't be like you know World War Two when uh, the Soviet Union, who just has swarms of soldiers, you know, just yeah. overruns you and wins. Here's the high, highly qualified and high tech, you know, technology. So you know, your industrial right. capacity and financial capacity can be the thing that decides the war, not how many rifles yes, you can yes. field. Yeah, the question is who gets more drones, who can produce more drones, uh, and better quality. Yeah, by the quality, um, and that's all about algorithms. But that's all about uh, the way. I mean, it's just very, very interesting just to, to admire this. But in the also future in terms of warfare. Of the, yeah, in terms of the U.S. and China, of course, it's also not not only about air and land. It's also about sea, and we also see lots of developments because uh, I guess Pentagon they plan like to increase their fleet to like five uh, hundred vessels. And uh-huh. they want to do it primarily by acquiring lots of like this autonomous system, like, auton- like basically autonomous vessels, um, like new type of destroyers that will be completely autonomous. Uh, and it's also, yeah, you know, it's a big thing, you know, it's a very, it's, it's, it's way more expensive than a drone, of course. So it will, it should be way more intelligent in the sense that it will be on, on its own in the sea, you know, which uh, is... I guess amazing from the perspective of just science, uh, how you do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you know, in the in the situation that you lose connection to this drone, mm-hmm. because uh, it needs to be able to make decisions on its own, because you cannot count on it that you always have a contact with such an autonomous ship in the middle of the ocean. You know, if the enemy destroys mm-hmm. your uh, uh, communication infrastructure, shoots down your satellites, which we discussed. Mm-hmm then such yeah. a ship must be able to make decisions on its own yeah it's it, this uh, yeah it's, uh, it also it's, it's interesting how it can change you know outlook of warfare maybe it will be just very routine thing in the future because i mean not 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 the nearest future but in 100 years who knows maybe the war will be perceived as something very different because people don't suffer people don't get like uh, don't get killed but instead you just have this uh, kind of terminated type of warfare where you have only uh, the specifically made robots fighting with each other yeah definitely the era of strategic bombings you know and it's long gone right now it will be precise tactical strikes using uh unmanned vehicles it's really revolutionary considering how much warfare has changed in the last 80 years completely changed Yeah, and I guess it's it's what gets overlooked a lot um, in terms of I don't know in news and literature because artificial intelligence it's like it's a prime sector where it's being developed. It's mainly there. You can also think about of course like autopilot, test autopilot, uh, all other things uh, that different kind of companies try to create, but it's still not. It's it's still not so big it's not so ambitious so to speak as what they do in the military departments and the military because they try really to make uh, robots that they act on their own and they also adapt to different situations and they work in the swarms so they work together with other robots it's yeah it, that's that looks like the right, right direction if you want to create the, um, some artificial intelligence yeah definitely yeah and I guess like the last thing, just I want to touch on it, maybe not go deep into detail, but quantum computers, because people discuss it a lot, and uh, it's becoming way more important, but also in, a, in important in the sense that there is a big technology, uh, there is a big um, like, um, 
parallel to, to building um, to building quantum computers because they don't like this quantum states they don't uh, they're getting affected by radiation from the sun uh-huh. and there is like this struggle to um, construct this quantum computers that don't look you know enormously big that don't really that are not really uh, like this laboratory big big enormously big computers but how to make them actually user friendly and how to make uh, how to just basically construct like quantum computers that will be the part of our so to, so to speak life or something like this well this will definitely happen because you know the first computers that humanity had you know they were huge as entire you know big rooms so yeah every new technology but, goes through this phase yes uh it's interesting yes yeah, interesting that you mentioned of course like just normal computers but also what is interesting with this quantum computers uh the more research people do on quantum computers the more they like they kind of uh, uncover enigmas of, uh, of of the universe of uh, particles and stuff like this so it definitely goes hand to hand with uh, you know discovery and exploration um, because you just need to have groundbreaking semiconductors, something like this, mm-hmm. that you haven't like haven't achieved before that. Because they, like quantum computers, need to have to like like special um, atmosphere, where special conditions should be made, like to make them work. Uh, and this all includes a lot of ingenuity. This all includes a lot of uh, like discovery and a lot of like scientific breakthroughs. And it's just interesting to admire this because uh, now when you just go to like any science uh, uh, website, it's it's there is always there is always like two three articles per day uh, being published about quantum computers and different researchers like do some you know research on how to make them um, how to make them work how to make them stable so they can work uh, longer periods of time and stuff like this so it's it's definitely there if you know if you're interested in in this kind of stuff physics particles then quantum computers will definitely in some for you. years yeah definitely revolutionize our understanding probably of, of the universe of whatever but i mean quantum computers just uh, the way it's also when we talk about the supremacy uh, you know who gets there first uh, can get like mind break, mind breaking uh, results from these quantum computers because you know uh, the problem is now with science uh, it's really hard to run the simulations on normal computers just because they don't really computing uh, power kind of it's not only just computing power it's all it's always the way the universe you know if you want to have like this uh, let's say early universe simulations uh, they understand that. You know, early universe doesn't really work the way kind of computer tries to uh, simulate mm-hmm. it. Different and concepts, I guess. Yeah, and you either need to have like super super big computer to simulate quantum computer, which is like requires way more, more money and energy, or you need to just build you know quantum computer then goes like kind of immediately through all calculations because like superposition of states and stuff like this, and but like researchers either from China or the US will be able to do groundbreaking uh, research using quantum computers and that's why I guess it's so important uh, for America to be a leader in this in this sphere uh-huh. um, because China is trying really hard and they have like I guess same number of quantum computers right now something around uh, uh, I'm afraid to say but it's, it's they have uh, the same number of quantum computers but American quantum computers are way more uh, they have more qubits, so they are more powerful than Chinese. 
but China is very ambitious in this sense. They're very ambitious. They just basically put a lot of money into this and they think it will be like the future of science, the future of humanity. Oh, I'm sure um, it will pay off eventually. Oh, yes. Uh, in lots of, uh, lots of ways, I guess. Oh, yeah. So I guess we covered everything. I guess that's it for now. Yeah, it's, it was it was interesting, I guess, episode. Uh, and subscribe to our channels. Um, if you want, uh, share it with Sally with your friends, comment and uh, enjoy. 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 Bye.